Tech is a bi-weekly podcast exploring the intersections of technology and ministry. It is part of the podcast network sponsored by Wells, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Our show today is hosted by Martin Spriggs and Sally Draper. Welcome back to Wells Tech, everybody. This is episode 712. That's 712, and we're recording on November 10th, 2023. My name is Martin Spriggs, and this is a show about technology and ministry and where those two intersect. Joining me as usual, Sally Draper. Hello, Sally Draper. How are you? I'm very good, Martin. As you said, November 10th, I realized probably not very often in 712 shows that we've recorded on a Friday, but today is Friday, in fact. And um, so I, it would be cool if we had like baseball stats about Wells Tech, don't you think? Like, you know, how many were with video or just audio only or how many were how many on Friday minutes, or whatever? Um, yes. Yes. I do a lot of work these days with a Microsoft tool called Power BI. It would be super cool if I could have all kinds of visualizations in Power BI about how it. How many guests? How many repeat guests? Yeah. There you yeah, go. Yeah. I like that. How many? We could come how up much listener feedback stats. we've got? Right. That'd be pretty. <laughs> Don't you cool. love stats? Aren't they interesting? Well, when you live long enough, when you do something long enough, stats uh, stats <laughs> are kind of fun, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can do some real analysis. <laughs> we've lived a long time, Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I am excited about this show today because we're talking about a topic that um, is super relevant in in our churches today, and that's um, the use of visuals for in the in the worship experience. And usually that is represented by some kind of screen, whether that's a an LCD screen broadcast or transmitted by a projector or an LCD screen, you know, plastered on the wall, whatever it is. It's not so much the technology, but it's what's on that screen and its usefulness for those people looking at it. So uh, neither you nor I spend a lot of time in that space, but we have people that we know that do. So. <laughs> we have our connections, huh? <laughs> right. The mic, that was probably really lovely to hear. Um, yeah, excited to have Carissa Nelson joining us today. Um, we're going to play an interview in just a moment with Carissa where she talks all about screen design. And that's from an artist perspective and someone who's done it for quite a while and does an amazing job at it and also contributes to a product that probably many of our listeners are using if they're using screens or any of the the worship resources that are being produced these days um, in our congregational services area. So mm -hmm. excited to have her join us. But before we dive into that, maybe we should just kind of preface it that there are tools that Wells provides um, to assist with screen setup and content and design, that kind of thing. Um, the first of which is um, a tool that came out in conjunction with Christian Worship 2021, the the new hymnal that isn't so new anymore. We can actually call it our hymnal, the blue hymnal. Um, and that's a tool called Service Builder. Martin, you're pretty familiar with Service Builder. 
Yeah, Service Builder is a product that has existed for quite some time. It was created by our friends at Concordia Technology Services. And um, we worked with them to kind of what we call white label their product, a, a Wells version. Uh, and I was on the committee that worked through that and actually did some of the um, kind of the pointing and clicking to get the content into the system. So sometimes if you're in there, you will probably see some things that I cut and pasted and, and massaged to make sure that the, the, uh, the verse lined up with the notes, uh, those kinds mm -hmm. of things. It's actually a very cool system. And I know a lot of congregations use it. I heard the other day, it's about three quarters of our congregation uh, now subscribe to it and use it for worship planning. Uh, the content mm -hmm. side, but as you know, were most interested today, the creation of the slide materials or the content for the slides that can get them prettied up and presented. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you're in the tool, you can just click on a handy button for the Sunday you want to plan. And there you can add your hymn selections and psalm selections, the order of service, things like that. And when you're all ready, there's a, a link in the upper right area that says prepare the bulletin, prepare a presentation, prepare playlist. So um, Chris will probably talk a little in the interview about the prepare presentation option where you can, um, you know, have your um, service setting, whether it's one, two, three, or four, whatever you're using. And all of a sudden you have some real generic starter um, presentation slides that have all of the interactive resources for that service setting, the confession and absolution, the prayers, all that kind of stuff that goes along with that particular day um, of the church year. So once you have the guts of your presentation planned, you can export it and bring it into either Google Slides or PowerPoint and work with it that way. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to, um, you know, start from scratch every time with, with the pieces of the worship planning that that you need to work with. So pretty handy tool. There's actually a video tutorial that goes deep into that that was produced by NPH. So um, check out our show notes page for that video tutorial if you aren't using that presentation planning tool. Yeah. And we had a nice walkthrough on the show, I don't know, a couple of years back from Caleb mm -hmm. Bassett. So That'd be a good one to watch as well. He really kind of talked through the ins and outs and uh, in layman's terms, you know, how is this uh, going to fit or could it fit in your worship planning workflows? Mm -hmm. And that other piece of worship planning, the foundation series is out there with different um a sermon series podcast to support them where uh, they're talking the pastor language as they prepare um, their sermon preparation, their text studies and things like that, and then a whole slew of imagery and things. And some of it is very um, acceptable for social media, but much of it is also designed for slides um, and designed to use in worship. So you carry those images through um, maybe on your worship folder, your social media, your e-news to your congregation, whatever it may be. And then you can also you know, make use of, and I'm not sure if this will show or not, but that same imagery on your, um, as your design, kind of your master slides and things like that. So that once you have that content from Service Builder, it's really easy to apply design to it. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
So great resources and uh, the person behind the scenes for some of those resources, Carissa Nelson, as we mentioned, uh, she was good enough to sit down with us for a little bit the other day and talk with us about uh, not only her work for those projects, but also just in general, some considerations when you're putting together worship slides or other kinds of slides for, for worship purposes. So let's have a listen to that interview with Carissa. Joining us today on Wells Tech is Carissa Nelson. Carissa is a digital artist and just happens to be the wife of my pastor here at St. Paul's in North Mankato. So happy to have you joining us, Carissa. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here today. And longtime Wells Tech listeners will remember that Chris has been on before. It was way back in 2013. That was quite a while ago, 10 years ago, um, on Wells Tech 282. Maybe a little bit's changed about Carissa since then. So why don't you reintroduce yourself to our she listeners? She was probably in audience. grade school at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> at that time, I was just starting out in using art for church purposes, I guess. It was kind of my introduction to that world then. So it's been about 10 years that I've been doing this now. Um, at that time, we were just lay members living in the Milwaukee area. And now I'm married to a pastor, same, same family, just different location and not lay members anymore. But um, yeah, we went to Colorado for Vickery year since then, and also lived in Iowa and served a congregation there. And now our kids are all teenagers. We have three teenagers, live in Mankato, Minnesota, I go to church with Sally. And I am still working with churches on worship art and logos, illustration, getting more into incorporating illustrations into video, which is really fun. So some things are the same, I'm still working with art for church and new location. Good, good. Well, um, we'd love to pick your brain about a whole variety of things, Carissa. And I actually kind of regularly do, but that's just because you're so close. That's wonderful. Um, but today we wanted to kind of focus in on worship screen design. So get, get your um, thinking cap on on that topic and maybe um, start out with what is the goal of a worship presentation or maybe what shouldn't the goal be if, if you're using screens in worship? Right. So if you're using a screen in worship, especially if you have the whole service up on the screen, I think it's important to remember that that's a tool there for worship to help make the service more intuitive, probably easier for guests to follow along or parents with kids have their arms full and can't necessarily juggle all of the physical materials. And so the screen should be there to help guide people through the service and enhance the message for the day, help build the narrative. But it isn't necess necessarily supposed to capture everyone's attention all of the time. That can be challenging because screens really demand a lot of attention. So if you're intentional about what you're doing, it can help guide people through worship without pulling them away from God's word and the message for the day. So I think that it's important to keep in mind that it should be there to function and help. And maybe you can aim for 
understated and just a clear narrative. Chris, uh, uh, yeah, Marshall McLuhan was fond of saying the screen always wins, um, which is kind of just what you said. What's the difference? And you probably started in print material or, or do a lot print material as well. What's the difference when somebody's designing for print versus, you know, the big screen? When you're thinking about designing, what kind of differences do you see? Hmm. That's a good question. I mostly work with digital stuff now. Okay. Um, I guess the, the first thing I think of is resolution is very different right? on screen versus print. So if you are looking for images online um, and just grabbing stuff off of there, it's going to be at a lot smaller resolution than if you're going to print something. So um, that's that's one big difference. Um, color can be different. Oftentimes on screen, it's RGB color and print is often CMYK. So you need to be aware of those differences if you're designing. Um, but a lot of times these days, it needs to work for both. You know, if you're at a worship mm -hmm. service, it's it's really great if the printed worship folder and the screen work together. So keeping in mind those size and color differences, you do need different types of files for the different ways that you use it. So designs for worship or branding need to be thought of not as just one thing. It, it is really a whole package of resources usually now mm -hmm. that, that needs to work in, in a variety of scenarios. Very what about good. typography and those kinds of things as you're thinking about size of text, uh, the the font itself. Yes, I I really love boring fonts okay. um, <laughs> because they have fonts can have really big personalities, and what you really need the font to be doing if you're doing a worship presentation is people need to be able to read it quickly and keep going and not get distracted by what kind of message the font has. Some of them are very playful or they're very childlike or they can they can just really pull attention away from people just quickly reading through the material. So just a good sans serif font is nice. Um, it's it's important to have a simple background so that you can have good contrast between the text and the and the background. Um, not too busy. Mm -hmm. I also really like fonts that have a lot of weight weight differences to them, a lot of variation so that you can have, you know, maybe there's a thin version for when the congregation is speaking and then a clear difference. Um, well, probably thin for pastor and really bold for when the congregation is speaking. So something mm -hmm. that's just really easy to see the difference and keep going intuitively. You mentioned contrast. Black on white or white text on black? Do you have a preference or suggestion or other colors? I really like a dark background. Okay. Personally, because it helps the screen disappear, but I mix it up so that it's not the same all the time. I've also heard that kind of a gray background with black text can be easier for some people visually. So I I do both. It's most challenging if you choose something that's kind of in the middle zone for a background and you have a hard time knowing if you choose a dark font or a, a light color for the text, that can be the most problematic. Straight up white can be a little bit bright. So sometimes a light gray or a 
cream color is kind of nice for a background too. Right. So I, I do both. Great advice. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So if somebody were not doing screens currently in worship and just considering getting started, um, do you have any tips for just getting started? Sure. I think that first of all, it's okay if you don't use a screen. I think there's a lot of good reasons to to not. You can do a lot to communicate a theme, even for a series through your worship folder or signs that you might have as people come in. So that's okay. And if you're just easing into it, one thing I've seen churches do is have a digital hymn board when at first it just lists the hymns and then maybe you can move up from there. Um, the, the simpler you keep it, the easier it is to engage more people in the process. If you make a really complicated presentation right off the bat, it's difficult to engage more people in that process because it seems really labor intensive and um, kind of intimidate, intimidating to get involved with. So keeping that in mind as you're putting together your presentation Sometimes it seems like it might be better to have more because you can give people more information, but there's a point at which people can only process so much information and there's only so much time that that a volunteer or a staff person might have to put into the presentation. So like, just don't feel bad about keeping it simple. I think it's actually something to aspire to. So definitely mm-hmm. ease into it slowly. Think about how much time you can put into it and then... Um, just be proud of yourself if you do something simple. That's awesome. You just gave advice for the people that are doing it, you know, currently as well. Now we have a goal to keep it simple and <laughs> aspire to that. So very yes. good. Um, so um, I'm familiar with Wells Service Builder. We've actually done shows on Service Builder and how it ties in with the the hymnal that was released, um, I believe, in 2021. Um, and then also... Um, the Wells Congregational Services website has something called the foundation. And um, I'm wondering how those things can tie in. I know you're familiar with the foundation because some of your artwork is there. So, yes, I recently over the summer took time to learn service builder so that we could have a more streamlined process for all of us at our church. And I thought the most helpful thing to know about service builder is that it is not trying to be PowerPoint. So if you expect it to be, you're going to be disappointed. What it's really awesome for is populating the slides with all of the text that you need, and then you can export it to finish in Google Slides or in PowerPoint or whatever your choice is for that program. But um, we found it was really helpful to choose, like if you're using the foundation or um, another theme to to just choose one background to put into service builder because you just get one background in there so choose a really simple one that you use on most of the sides if it's completely blank that's fine or in the foundation you'll find there's usually a slide that has a real small logo in the corner so you could choose that and then after you've exported it from service builder you can do the fine tuning where, where the page breaks are kind of adjust some of the justification on some of the slides, sometimes they come out a, a little bit different than you might prefer. So just some editing. And then it's easy to paste in the title slides for your series or your theme for the day after you get it out of Service Builder. So we we found that was helpful. And if you have 
one template for a whole series, that's really helpful. So you can kind of quickly generate several worship services at a time and and then just paste your title slides into all of them and quickly edit them. So we found we had kind of had two basic templates in Service Builder, one with the dark background and one with a light background that we could duplicate for a new series and then you know, name the template based on the series and apply that throughout the series. And then um, when there's a new series, make one new template. Very good. Great tips. It sounds like a pretty streamlined process then to to make the two coordinate together. Um, just want to share for a minute um, the foundation itself, we've talked about it before on Wells Tech, mm-hmm. but um, all parts of the church here are represented. And then as you drill into a particular part, um, that's where you're going to find, you know, different graphics and sized four by three and 16 by nine. I have a couple of examples of ones that are coming up for the season of Advent and the season of Christmas for this year. Um and just happy to say thank you to Carissa for beautiful design work on these and on many other things you see in the foundation. There's lots of great stuff there. So um, continue to watch that and see the different series and supporting resources that are available there. Um, in that realm, um, maybe you could tip our listeners, give us a little inside information. Is there anything exciting that you're working on in the foundation series coming up? Sure. And I actually work with Brian Urbanek from Goldwing Productions on this quite a bit. And he was recently on your podcast too. That's right. Yep. We're a a team that works on this. Um, So he does a lot of the the video production and managing the project. And then I make the design for the, the artwork. And I'm really excited about the artwork that's coming up in the new year. Um, these Christmas ones are also really great, but I worked on those in summer. So I'm, I'm <laughs> moving on now to like Lent and Easter. Um, I have Easter done and I'm pretty excited. The Easter series often has kind of an apologetics angle to it. So looking at the reality of the resurrection um, for Easter this year, I think that that's going to be a pretty cool series. Um, Lent is one called Rethinking Religion. So I think the title is very thought provoking on its own. And then the week to week themes I think are very interesting. So I'm I'm looking forward to that series. And then Epiphany has from the river to the mountain. And I think um, just rivers and mountains are, that's imagery that people like in general. So the graphics for that, I've found people like quite a bit that were involved in the process for that. So I, I, I'm looking forward to all of the new series in the new year. Should be a good year. Very good. Well, um, we certainly thank you for taking a few minutes out of your schedule. I know it's a busy one and talking with us and with our Wells Tech listeners. And we look forward to to following the work along. And um, yeah, maybe we'll have some feedback on screens and we can circle back and ask some more questions. We'll see how it goes. That sounds great. Thank Krista, you. Thanks Krista. so much. You're a blessing to the Senate. Appreciate your work and uh, it's it's having an impact. So this is this is awesome. Thanks for taking the time with us. Thank you. Our thanks to Carissa Nelson for taking some time out of a uh, busy mom's schedule. Um, and uh, boy, what a blessing she is to the Senate. For and sure. And church, if you'd like, right? 
definitely to my church for sure. Um, if you'd like more information about Chris's work or to discuss, you know, any questions you might have around the things she said in the interview or whatever, you can find her at carissanelsonart.com. And she's got her digital portfolio there and also her contact information. So check it out. Excellent. Thanks again, Carissa, for that. So if you have other um, tools or techniques or suggestions for this kind of thing, screen design or the use of service build, service builder and worship, those kinds of things, resources that you found to be useful, let us know. Uh, go to our show notes page, wellstech.wells.net, and uh, leave a note there or send us an email, wellstech at wells.net. We'd love to hear some feedback on that. And uh there's more than one way to do it, and I think there's a lot of different uh, approaches, and we'd love to hear about them. So, mm -hmm. Sally, should we move on to ministry resources? We should. I'm going to turn the mic over to you because yeah. you found some great resources around churches and artificial intelligence. Yeah, Church Tech Today is a great resource. I read them regularly, and lately, as you can imagine, there's been a lot of content around AI. And um, very appropriate because we get a lot of questions on that. And I'm sure maybe you have questions in your own congregation in school about this suitableness, is that a word, suitability <laughs> of, of AI for use in ministry applications. Um, and that's a valid question. Uh, this, These couple articles that we'll put in the show notes uh, talk about that a little bit. Um, one of them is uh, I like uh, for you know, right out of the chute for AI usage within a, a ministry setting. And that's how a pastor can use um, AI after a sermon has been created, mm -hmm. not creating the sermon with it, but repurposing the content of a sermon. And they talk about uh, using AI to maybe uh, feed um, ideas about social media posts or FAQs, small group discussion guides, devotional content, articles for a church blog, video scripts, ebooks, prayer guides, all those things, kind of getting more mileage out of the hard work that you put into a sermon uh, for other applications and how AI and potentially help you in that process. So I thought that was a, a well-done article. It kind of opened my eyes to uh, some some other uses for it um, and uh, good stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, friend or foe, it's here to stay and <laughs> yes. um, certainly making use of it in wise ways um, mm -hmm. to alleviate some of your workload. Uh, you've mm -hmm. done great work on that sermon, but maybe just allowing it to kind of pick up the ball and run from there with some other um, yeah, content yeah. repurposing. That's a great idea. I don't want to tip my hat too much, but my pick in a future episode will be <laughs> um, a podcasting tool that not only will allow you to um, transcribe it, and kind of pick some highlights of it and then bring it into your notes note-taking system but it will also apply ai and summarize it for you so here's audio content that wow. you're applying ai to and it's giving you a bulleted list of the highlights of a podcast that's pretty cool so so that podcast i'm going to tell you what it is but that'll be a future sermon. One. so yeah, okay. yeah 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 it could mm -hmm. i'll be waiting on that one mm -hmm. all right sally time for picks of the week and 
You know, Martin, it's getting towards the end of the year. The last time we met to plan for Wells Tech, we actually discussed an end of year episode. For those that listen, you might be familiar that uh, in the past, as years end, we look at the best things that we were excited about mm-hmm. during the year. And I got to thinking, what is my favorite pick of the week? Picks of the week are always kind of challenging. You want to get something that's useful for people. Um, and obviously, something that's useful for you makes that um, really meaningful to you to share and everything. And for me, this was kind of a strange year where I adjusted to some medical challenges And I would say the thing that shined the brightest throughout this year was my use of Alexa for home automation. Mm. I'm a little bit worried about saying that name because she's in the room listening to me. So hopefully she doesn't respond. our listeners who are playing this out loud, they're probably not as happy either. (laughs) I actually, I played a video this morning that was promoting it and she did respond. She turned the lights on downstairs because it told her to. And I thought that was kind of funny. But Just call her the A-Lady. Yeah. I started slow um, with home automation and I would say, you know, wasn't really in need of anything in particular. But as years go by, the Black Friday sales and things like that have really affordable tools. So why not try it out? And um, now I'm up to having, I have two Echo Dots. I have an Echo Show. I have one smart plug, which I couldn't find them selling anymore, but it actually has a speaker built into it. So it's an echo device, but it just plugs into the wall mm-hmm. um, directly. Um, and then I have some outdoor smart plugs as well. Um, and then probably one of my favorite things is the switches that I have, where we've actually replaced the light switch with a, a Wi-Fi enabled device, basically, that listens to my friend with uh, the A name. So anyway... Um, You don't have to go to Amazon, although their Black Friday deals are a really good way to get started with it because usually they have some almost giveaway devices. But you can buy these kind of devices anywhere. You just look for the Works with Alexa kind of icon on it. Certainly my friend Menards, which is kind of our date night destination. I don't know about you and Debbie, but we're at Menards (laughs) all the time. We've Um, we've done a few Friday night things there, yes. (laughs) Yeah, plenty of, you know, Wi-Fi enabled LED light bulbs and things of that nature, the switches and all that kind of stuff. So you can find these things all over the place. Um, Some of the automations that are near and dear to my heart here at home are especially light bulbs, just turning on lights in various areas of the house. You know, Martin, I look back at our picks of the week from the past because I was wondering if I picked any specific brands or anything. And I think you were the one last year who talked about singlet light bulbs mm-hmm. as being um, a pick. I have some singlet light bulbs. Yep. I have other brands as well. Like over time, you don't find the same things and right. you buy what you pick up. You have kind of a mixture, but that's really okay. You just have to get them discovered in the app um, run by the lady with the A name. And then once they're discovered, you can control them. You can set up programming around them. For instance, um, I have some outdoor light bulbs that I have programmed to come on at sunset and go off at sunrise. And when the time changes, it knows that. And it just automatically does those kind of things for me. I have outdoor plugs that, um, you know, I plug into an outdoor outlet And that's for my Christmas lights, same kind of schedules and things where they just come on automatically and I don't have to worry about it. Um, I use groups a lot 
So big house, you go downstairs, it's really dark and cavernous. <laughs> and I say, turn on the main floor lights and everything lights up just really easy. I don't have to be on the opposite end of the house, turning on all the lights one by one and things like that. Um, at Christmas time, I have one that says turn on Christmas mm -hmm. and all my trees and indoor lighting and things that I have for Christmas come on with just turn on Christmas commands. Um, I really enjoy the music features that come with Alexa. If you don't have Prime, there's some commercials in there, but it's not too bothersome. Um, but if you have Prime, then it's commercial free and you can dial up whatever you want to listen yeah, to. Pretty so big that's catalog really nice. too. Yeah, it's been growing lately. Yep. And here's a cool one. Um, my mother and father-in-law live with us here. We have a pretty large house, so we're kind of spread out. And I don't move real fast with my um, disabilities that I now have. And so she has... Um, a hearing loss so she's got some disability too and it's kind of hard to communicate um, she's not a texter or anything like that I just really needed an easy way to say hey I need your attention so we pretty much put a light bulb a lamp in her room that I can control and I can tell it to turn on in different colors that singlet light bulb led has all the color spectrum and so mm -hmm. I'll tell it to turn on red and I have a command saved, read on, and it means to her, oh, she sent me an email. I should go check my email. Mm -hmm. She doesn't watch it maybe as much as I do. Um, if I turn it on blue, it means, hey, come find me. Unfortunately, we had the power go out in the middle of the night, and blue came on far when the power came back oh. on. It just came on. <laughs> so she literally got up in the middle of the night and went downstairs to look and see if I needed her or something, but I didn't. I was asleep <laughs> in bed. So, But it has worked really well and given us a communication channel we wouldn't have any other way. Mm -hmm. And then um, last thing to mention I love using it for my shopping list. So I can just say her name, add this to my shopping list. And then when I'm ready to shop, even if it's online or whatever, I can just bring it up on my phone and the app and see everything. And that's supposed to, oh, I got to remember to put that on the shopping list. When I'm making my shopping list, I need to remember this. And I never remember everything. But in the moment, kind of having these devices strategically placed around the house, I can just say things out loud wherever I am. And she tallies it for me on my shopping list. So that's the way I'm using it currently. And again, I started really small. Um, I think the next step we might take is some outdoor cameras for the, the doorbell kind of concept. Um, we'll see how that develops, but um, I'm really happy with what we're using it for now. And when I was really flat on my back and paralyzed, I could turn on lights and things. Mm -hmm. And that gave me a lot of comfort to be able to have um, her at my disposal. So yeah. that's my pick nice. of the week. And you may hear it at the end of the year as a pick of the year. Yeah, I think say. you, I think I see your strategy there. Stick that <laughs> one in there so I can make your top 10 list or whatever. Thinking ahead a little. Uh-huh. Very cool. Yeah. And it, uh, home automation is a lot cheaper than it used to be. It used to be super expensive to buy these Philips Hue bulbs or whatever. And you were, you know, you're really committed now. It's, it's fairly inexpensive, especially if you kind of do some good shopping. So mm -hmm. good stuff. Yeah. Black Friday's a good time to look. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, my pick of the week. And I have, I don't remember whether I picked this. If I did, it was a while back and I have kind of, reawakened uh, my use of a way to capture 
things that I want to remember off, you know, that are on the internet or in other places. And it's, it's a product from Readwise, which I know I picked it in the past, but Readwise has created a read it later app called Reader. And Reader is actually very cool in that it can capture almost anything. Uh, it can capture YouTube videos. It can capture podcasts. It can capture web pages, PDFs. And the way it works or the way they want you to use it, and I find this to be fairly intuitive, is you, you know, it's a little browser extension. And so you're browsing and you come across something that you want to, to capture. You don't want to necessarily take the time to, to consume the content right then and there. You want maybe, maybe to be in a, a better place or a better state of mind to actually uh, use the content. You click the button, it automatically goes into an inbox. And then at some point in the future, you can go into your inbox and through very easy commands, you can either read through it, you can put it in a, a later list or an archive list, you can create notes, you can do highlighting. And all of the work that you do there uh, gets translated into Readwise, and that's your kind of repository for all your notes, your highlights, your Kindle book highlights, those kinds of things. And it all gets back into there and then can go into your note-taking system depending on, on how you've got things set up. The other side of it, it, is, it has a feed reader. So we all remember the good old days when Google used to have a product called Reader, mm -hmm. which was a way you could plug in RSS feeds. And then RSS feeds kind of fell out of favor. And now I think they're kind of back. You see RSS feeds quite a bit. And this allows you to plug RSS feeds into the feed uh, portion of Reader. And then it brings the content from these uh, RSS feeds into the system as well. And you can kind of treat them the same way as all the other stuff. You can either delete them, swipe them away, whatever. And you can do this on an iPad or your phone as well because they've got nice apps for that. But they also allow you to, you know, through keyboard commands, you know, send this to your inbox or put it in the later folder, whatever. So it's kind of a nice blend. So the inbox can be more curated stuff that you found on the internet saying, hey, I want to read this later. But the feed side is kind of cool too, where it's bringing content that you didn't know existed through these RSS feeds uh, about different topics. So Church Tech Today or um, the uh, our Ministry Tech Today that I was uh, from our ministry resources section, I have that as a feed. So it comes into my system and I will see the articles that come in without having to go to the site and, and physically pick it. And then I can kind of curate it and do what I want with it once it's in the system. Reader is currently free. I don't know if eventually they're going to charge for this. I think they might. Um, but there are all kinds of other tools that I don't have time to go into, but it's a, it's a well-done tool. I think it's much better than things like Pocket um, and those kinds of things. Um, it's uh, very full-featured, and I think yeah, it's worth giving it a try. So give it, uh, give it a shot. But that's a reader from Readwise. That's my pick of the week. That's very that nice may, one. may, too, make my top whatever in our, in our <laughs> upcoming list. Oh. So. A little end of your scramble happening in here, yes. just in yes. case y'all yes. aren't paying attention. Exactly. So, <laughs> very all good. right, uh, let's move on to our community news and feedback segment. Sure. And I wanted to make mention of a new um, Facebook group that's kind of started within the last six months or so. And it's on that 
buzz topic of artificial intelligence. This one's called Lutheran AI. Um, and it was started by a couple of friends of ours, um, Philip Wells and Pastor James Aderman. And they're just kind of exploring the concept of artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. in the Christian church setting. So um, interestingly, Pastor Aderman just published or shared a link to a recently published Barna study um, that said Christians are wary of AI. And a quote says they especially would be disappointed to discover their churches using AI. Let that uh, disappointment begin. AI is everywhere. The question for church leaders is, how do we help members realize AI is an enormous technological gift to disciple making? So he's included a link to that Barna study. And if you're interested, you can check that out um, over on their website as well. I'm not sure if it's easily accessible or how much of it they share, but um, definitely an overview is available there. Um, on the Barna site. Yeah. I'm interested to follow this group um, and they're really going after it. There's a lot of content out there and it's a a fairly constant uh, stream of content there on that group. Mm -hmm. So check if you're interested in that. I think from a pastor or teacher perspective, I think there's uh, there's usefulness here. Join that conversation too. Mm -hmm. That's going to do it for community needs and feedback for this week. Awesome. Okay. Um, And I think that's going to about do it for the show this week. Uh, Next time we gather, we will be um, our podcast team squared because we will have Jason and Rachel joining us, uh, our semi-regular classroom technology correspondents. And we are going to continue our conversation around the book, The AI Classroom. So can't get enough of that AI stuff, but this is really Mm -hmm. focused on education and educators and its place in the classroom. So we'll be looking at chapters four and five and some conversations around pedagogy. So feel free to tune back in for that. And uh, we're so happy that you decided to join us this time. We don't underestimate the dedication or the uh, the time that you set aside for listening to little old us. Uh, especially if you've been listening from the beginning, that's an, that's a significant investment in time. And I, we, we should know have most stats people on don't. that. Yeah, we should. Right. <laughs> Um, maybe I may, maybe AI can do that for you. I'm sure AI is coming to power BI or maybe it's already there. Um, we'll we'll see lots of good stuff ahead. So we try and be relevant and hopefully we are. And if you've got suggestions to, to make us more so uh, for your particular ministry, let us know that too. But, uh, for now we will, uh, see you next time. Uh, have a blessed, um, season of Thanksgiving preparations. I know that's a big thing on a lot of people's agenda these days. So uh, uh, to follow Sally's lead, maybe uh, tell uh, tell the, the A-lady that uh, you need to add something <laughs> to the old shopping list, add turkey to shopping list. <laughs> there you All go. All right. Thanks everybody for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.